Well, I remember when you were back on the radio. It's not much different. You're listening to Unscripted with Mike and Chris, brutally honest sports talk. And now, here is Mike Jansen. You know, we sit here, and I think one of the, the uh, ways that uh, Chris and I have gotten to 520 now produced episodes as we welcome you to this 521st episode of unscripted the reason that we've gotten this far and over well let's see in september it'll be three years that we've been doing this that there's a trust factor and uh, i trust chris explicitly and i'm tired to be honest with you uh about talking about the doom and the gloom and uh coronavirus and this league is going to start and this league isn't going to start and these players are concerned about this and these players aren't going to play unless they get what was promised to and what they signed on the dotted line in regard to their contracts and I'm talking about you two idiots uh, Blake Snell in Tampa Bay and of course the whipping boy from Las Vegas Southern Nevada Institute of Technology Bryce Harper Um, and it's not the Institute of Technology because um, it's the Southern Nevada Community College uh, Institute of Technology would mean that somebody had to have a brain to get in. So that obviously does not include Mr. Harper. Um, but we were talking about this. And, and uh, one, of the, one of the key things I think that's kept this show alive for over th- almost three years is that I enjoy being with Chris to sit here and talk sports. But I get sometimes quite frustrated and tired of talking about all the negativity and there's so much negativity right now, and and obviously it's there's this is by far in my 55 years of life this is by far the most bizarre thing that any of us have lived through. There's no question about that. A lineup. Who would have thought? Who would think about it? All right. Chris is 40 years old, and he's been around the block more than a few times. But in his 40 years or my 55 years, would you ever thought there'd be a day where you had to get into a lineup to go into a goddamn grocery store? Never. Yesterday, I'm in a mall picking out some Father's Day gifts for some people. You weren't on the list. You don't have kids, you lucky bastard. <laughs> um, I love my kids. Just a, just a fun here. Just we're having fun. Love my kids. But anyway, um, who would have thought that you'd walk into a Apple store and have to get your temperature taken yesterday? Or this was Saturday, excuse me, to make sure that you weren't showing any symptoms of coronavirus. And I respect that. Don't get me wrong, because Canada is doing what we're supposed to do in regard to flattening the curve. I can't say that about my brethren in the United States. I went off on them in in an earlier episode. I don't want to go there again. But all I'm saying is, could you ever envision some of the things that we're doing now? And I think as we move forward, it's going to be more and more status quo. I truly believe that as we move forward, we're going to get uh, tested uh, with much more regularity. I think our temperatures are going to get taken with much more regularity. And I think that this is going to be status quo until we get a vaccine. I really believe that. I'm not a doctor. I'm certainly not as smart as Chris. These are just my opinions for somebody that never would have thought, excuse me, never would have thought that we'd get to a point where you've got to wait to get into a goddamn grocery store. And if you know anything about me over the last three years, you know, or going back 20 years, I heard through this whole process of my father's death and talking to people that I haven't talked to in over 35 years, that they talked and they would go, well, I remember when you were back on the radio. It's not much different. Well, yeah, it is because I have a co-host 
who's smart. Back in the day, we had Ron Barr. He ain't very smart. Um, great respect for David Brody, but David Brody and I had our own different shows. Um, but, you know, again, some of the things that we've had to do or are doing now to try to flatten the curve is just incredulous to me. So as we try to incorporate different ideas, Chris has come up with another one, and that's why he's the boss. Chris has got some things that have been presented to him about my favorite topic, and that, of course, is the guys that call 1265 Lombardi Avenue home, and that's the Ashwabanon Packers. Um, okay, for you guys that don't get that inside joke, it's the Green Bay Packers, and Chris has some stuff that people have been talking about, and Chris wants me to dissect some of these things, and he will certainly interject, because just because it's a Green Bay Packers, that doesn't mean that Chris doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Folks, this young man, and again, as I said back a couple episodes ago, this young man is, and he told me to watch my mouth, and I will, <laughs> but Chris is one of the most intelligent young men that I've ever known, and everybody's more, everybody is, is younger than I am at my age, so I don't mean that as disrespect, and Chris doesn't take it as disrespect, but this is one of the most intelligent young men, and he knows a little bit about everything, and he does know a lot about a lot of different things, so... Um, he wants to see me get all pumped up and get pissed <laughs> off about the Green Bay Packers, and I'm more than willing to oblige because there's been a lot of things that Brian Gutekunst has done this year that haven't impressed Packer fans, and it's not just me, let me tell you. There are a lot of people that are still spewing stuff on the Internet and on the different social media about what the Packers back did back at the end of April. I'm still not real happy about it, and if my father was still here, I know we'd still be talking about it. So having said all that, Chris is going to bring up some things that he has found on the World Wide Web that people are talking about in regard to the Green Bay Packers. He will get my comment about it. He will have his own comment about it. And again, I find this a lot more entertaining of a way for Chris and I to get together than talk about all the doom and gloom and all the bullshit going on and around the world. And this is supposed to be fun. We started it three years ago with the idea of having some fun. So let's get back to having some fun and let's get back to the boss. Thanks, Mike. Well, thanks for that. Nice introduction. Jeez. And a happy Father's Day to you. Yeah, you'll get know. a bill. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're still uh, growing the show and we're working on something new. I'm almost there. Got it ready to go. But um, Mike is going to be uh, visiting the U.S., risking his life in the yeah, next few I, weeks. Um, I will share with you that, um, you know, my father died on April 22nd. And because of the circumstances involving COVID-19, I have not been able to get down to the United States and obviously, under these circumstances, we were not able to have a formal funeral. Thankfully, uh, after five weeks, and I'm not going to get into that because Chris wants to see me get pissed off. Well, mention that when your father sits on a concrete slab for five weeks, but I digress. We have finally set a date of April the 8th to have a celebration of his life and um, looking forward to it. Uh, August the 8th. Right? August the 8th, sorry. Yeah, yeah August the 8th. And um, I will be leaving uh, Calgary at the end of July and hoping to be back in one piece uh, back in the middle of August, and then I have to self-isolate for 14 days, but this is what I have to do to say goodbye to my father, and uh, it's going to be uh, difficult. There are no flights. We will have to drive. It's 1,319 miles, and the, the one good thing, and you'll get a kick out of this, I am one of the big hubs right now, in the States, for some reason, it must be those freakazoids in Salt Lake City, Utah, but one of the biggest hubs right now of the coronavirus outbreaks has been Salt Lake City. So 
I've been telling you folks for years, there's nothing but freaks and morons there. You didn't listen to me. Now look at it. So this way, this time, we're going to take a different route, enter through BC and go down through Oregon and Washington and ultimately end at my sister's house in Lake Tahoe, spend a couple of days there with her and then caravan down to Las Vegas for my father's celebration of life. So um, are you going to go to go down I-5 and get some ocean views and everything? No, uh, we won't go that far, um, but we'll go in through BC and cross uh, near Walla Walla, Washington. <laughs> and uh, it's about an hour trip longer. But let me tell you, folks, right now we are taking every ser- serious precaution that we can. And right now, one of the things that was suggested to us the other day was to avoid Salt Lake City for the for the reasons of the, the outbreak of the coronavirus. Um, I am going to get a specialty mask made because I think it's it's paramount in the United States that you wear that right now. And as uncomfortable and as stupid as it looks, I think that's it's paramount that my family the, that we uh, that we do this. So I will be gone for a couple of weeks at the end of July into August, and uh, that's when Chris will take some time to make some more uh, improvements to the show. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we'll keep it a secret for the most part. My phone just for some reason just does not want to stop ringing. It's all these people that want to know about the celebration of life. My, you know, my phone is, oh, never mind. I'm not going to get there. Let's get on to something a little <laughs> bit more topical and a little bit more fun. And let's talk a little Green Bay Packers off-season football before training camp supposedly starts on the 28th of July. And uh, let's bring in the boss and say hi to my friend, Chris Flew. Thanks, Mike. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we'll, what we'll do is when you're back from Vegas, we will uh, have to have our annual season premiere. This year, it'll be season four that we're starting of Unscripted. And we will have a whole new look to the show shall we shall we say and we'll give you more details coming i also up. think we have to have a, a golf outing when i get back sure or before it's I, fun I yeah I, I never went golfing last year well we just didn't we just it was just such a weird year but i think we did now that i've i finally played golf on thursday and this is the longest period in my life that i've gone without playing golf i went nine months without playing golf end of last year the last round i played was at a very nice golf course but i just had no confidence uh, I just couldn't hit a golf ball. And I actually, for the first time in my life, walked off a golf course September 15th of last year in tears. And I just needed a break. And I took that break and I played on Thursday and I shot 77. And I'm very happy about that. So I'm going to haul Chris's ass back to a golf course before the summer is over. Perfect. Okay. So I'm going to read some things I've read online about uh, the Green Bay Packers, and I'll get your thoughts on what uh, these comments were, okay? Yes, sir. Okay. It's almost as if the Packers forgot how close they were to the Super Bowl last year. For those like the individuals in the Green Bay front office that have amnesia, the Packers battled the 49ers in the NFC Championship. San Francisco won that game easily, but if the Packers had another receiving threat and a couple of players who could help clamp down on the run, they may have gone on to battle the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Rather than find upgrades in those departments, the Packers opted to quit on the current group of players and instead look towards the future as they spent their first round pick on quarterback Jordan Love. A worse version of Jameis Winston, Love is very raw and needs a year or two to potentially transform into a viable starter. It makes sense to develop a quarterback to eventually replace Rodgers, but the Packers wasted an opportunity to advance the Super Bowl this year. No question. And the thing that I think Packer fans are having the biggest problem, and I know one of the biggest things that I'm having a problem with, is the disrespect shown to Aaron Rodgers. And I cannot stomach the argument that I'm hearing from people that, A, are too stupid to know right from wrong, or B, they're just Packer haters. And that's fine. 
that's fine. Um, I hate a lot of teams in the National Football League. So obviously there are people that have, and that's the great thing that you can have your opinion. But let me tell you, folks, and Chris brought up this point months ago. Think about it. When the Packers started or when they kicked off that game back on January 19th, and I remember that because that's the day that my basement blew up. <laughs> Unbelievable. What, what that's year. where I had a I had a water main break that day. It was just like apropos. I had a water main break in my basement, and that was a $15,000 repair to my basement. But I digress again. The disrespect shown to Aaron Rodgers after just signing him last year to an average of $34 million a year for the next four years or whatever it is. And this is not eerily similar to what happened 15 years ago in regard to Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Um, I've made this point before, and I'll quickly make it again. Aaron Rodgers was a legitimate number one overall pick in that 2005 draft. Jordan Love was not an overall considered a number one overall pick of the 2020 draft. Yeah, very different. Very different. You could have gotten, in my opinion, you could have gotten the kid from Utah State, and I'm not taking a shot at Jordan Love. Jordan Love didn't ask to be traded, or excuse me, drafted by the Green Bay Packers. It's where he fell on the board, and Gutekunst is the one that you should have your angst toward. Now, maybe somewhere down the line, Jordan Love turns into a serviceable NFL quarterback, and that's great for the Packers. But how can you expect... Aaron Rodgers to sit there and continue to be a leader in the Packers locker room when Rodgers has said for anybody that to listen that he was hoping to play in Green Bay for the rest of his career and he was hoping to get over the age of 40. Well, he's at age 36 right now. He's got four years left on his contract in Green Bay and Gutekunst goes out and drafts a position that the Packers do not need at this point in time. Remember, folks, if you want to play that 15 years ago card, that was probably a little bit more apropos for the simple fact that every year, if you remember this at all, Brett Favre, every year I'm quitting. I'm quitting. I've had enough. Fuck it. I'm going home to Mississippi and sit on the shores of my, my lake and I'm going to go fishing. But then every year he comes back. It's just like, you know, just like herpes. They just keep coming back. <laughs> so very much different between the 2020 NFL draft and the 2005 draft in regard, in regard to the quarterbacks that have been that have been drafted and i think ultimately the biggest slap in the face after aaron rodgers has got to be to the wide receiver core and especially Devontae adams that's the next thing we're going to talk oh, about okay here. Can, never mind. let me let me tee you up no that's perfect Oop. okay so the next thing i wanted to say uh, aaron rodgers will have to throw to the same receiving group which is packed by nothing but pedestrian talents excluding Devontae adams Perhaps Alan Lazard, hero of the Monday Night Victory against the Lions, will make a leap after flashing at times in 2019, but there's no hope otherwise. Both Geronimo Allison and Marquez Valdez-Scantling were huge disappointments last year. The Packers also didn't get anything out of 2019 third-rounder Jay Sternberger, but he'll replace Jimmy Graham as the starting tight end this year. For me personally, Chris, I just want to quickly say uh, with that, Sternberger can't be worse than Jimmy Graham, so that's right. good. And I also wanted to say Geronimo Allison actually will help the Packers this year because he signed in Detroit, and that is the ultimate addition by subtraction. Well, and ultimately, I've got to say the same thing about Jimmy Graham going to Chicago. That oh, was yeah, a brilliant. That's, that's a brilliant move by the Bears. Thank you very much. Um, that will that will help the Packers uh, indubitably over this next season. We get a couple of you know. Geronimo Allison in Detroit, Jimmy Graham in Chicago. That definitely helps our chances for back-to-back -back NFC North Division titles. If you are Brian Gutekunst and you're believing that Marquez Valdez Spalding or whatever his name is, 
the basketball for all I care, or the kid from Notre Dame that was hurt all last year with a bad ankle, Equinamius St. Brown. If you think that that's the future speed element in the Packers wide receiver room, you're as dumb as Gutekunst. Um, you could have gone out and, you know, potentially added to your wide receiver core via free agency. Never did. I would have loved, Chris and I were sitting here talking in the free agency frenzy when the season started back in March. We talked about the guy that uh, uh, went to, was with Denver and then ended up in San Francisco and then ultimately signed a free agent deal this year with the New Orleans Saints. I thought it was a brilliant, brilliant move by the New Orleans Saints. And that's the difference between Mickey Lewis and Brian Gutekunst. You know what you need, and you went out and goddamn get it and got it. And you didn't care that the guy was 34 years old. The problem is the guy, for the Packers, the problem is the guy can, can still play at a very high level. So I just don't quite understand if you're thinking... Yes, Alan Lazard made some great strides last year, but this is an undrafted kid that played at, at Iowa State. What kind of big games has he played in playing at Iowa State? The biggest game that Alan Lazard played in last year was any game the Packers had on the schedule. Okay? Um, Devin Funches, he was our big wide receiver acquisition in the offseason off the free agency, basically the, the shit pile of the free agency, what was picked over, Devin Funches shows up. Devin Funches was nothing at Michigan. He had a couple of average years with the Carolina Panthers, signs a uh, free agent contract for big money with the Indianapolis Colts, and gets hurt in game one last year and never saw the field again for the Indianapolis Colts. What kind of security in your mind do you have in regard to the Packer wide receiver core when Devin Funches is your number one off-season acquisition. And I think Chris stated it beautifully by just saying, he sucks. Devin Funches sucks. There you go, right there. So Holy fuck. I, I think it's very disrespectful what the Packers have done to Aaron Rodgers, and I think it's equally disrespectful what they've done to Devontae Adams. And as I mentioned in a previous episode today, that if the defensive coordinators in the National Football League, they are the best at what they do. And I'm telling you right now, you could be me running somebody's defense when you're playing Green Bay. All you got to do is double up on Devontae Adams and you're then making Aaron Rodgers beat you with half-assed talent and Aaron Jones. And you can get away with that probably in the NFC North. But once you step outside the NFC North and play the big boys like, oh, let's see, the 49ers kicked our ass twice. Um, I don't know if they have Baltimore on the schedule next year, but right now the Packers can compete in the NFC North. I think they have trouble once they get out of the NFC North. Yeah. Okay. And this is uh, what I really want to ask you here. So uh, I'm going to continue on with the uh, analysis of the Packers here. Uh, Love wasn't the only foolish pick the Packers made in the 2020 NFL draft. They also spent a second round choice on AJ Dillon, a middling plotter who should have been chosen in the fourth frame. Dylan will be Green Bay's third running back, playing behind the impressive Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. Both will enter free agency after this season, so Dylan will have more of a role in 2021. But it's puzzling as to why the Packers didn't address an immediate need instead. And I don't know, Mike, what you really do uh, to get all your Green Bay news. I'm not sure which media you watch. I don't know which columnists you watch. I don't know if you ever listen to Green Bay fan radio and call-in shows or anything like that. But what I am wondering, has anybody... And this, they must have. But has anybody really point blank 
been able to interview Gudekunst and Lafleur and corner them and say, hey, what were you thinking? Why would you take a quarterback and a running back in the first two rounds? And if this has happened, have they given a direct answer? Like, what is going on the here? Only, the only one-on-one interview, and that's a great question, the only one-on-one interview that I've heard from Gudu, and I listen, listen, folks, I get my information from the Green Bay Press-Gazette. Um, I get my news from the Milwaukee Journal, a sentinel in in uh, Milwaukee. I go to the Packers website. The Packers have an app. Um, it, there's a lot of ways to get the Packer information. The only thing that I've seen, the only interview that Gutekunst or Lafour have uh, agreed to, has been with the Packers home app, uh, Packers.com, um, and both of them have been uh, have been. Um, interviewed about the basically those same things and what I got from both of them was simply this Gutekunst believes in his heart of hearts that he drafted the BAP the best athlete available or B whatever Jesus Christ I'm an idiot best athlete available BAA uh Lafleur did not comment much on the Jordan Love selection all he wanted to concentrate on was the AJ Dillon pick at number two because he believes and he's going back to his year that he spent with that rocket scientist Mike Vrabel in Tennessee that he wants to go to a power running game. Well, see, folks, that seems silly to me when you've got one of the greatest passers in National Football League history on your roster right now and you want to go to a, a power running game. Well, you're taking your biggest weapon out of your arsenal. You're taking Aaron Rodgers out of the game. Basically, Aaron Rodgers has become a $34 million a year handed off. And that's ridiculous. That's not using your resources to the utmost ability and availability. And I just think it's a joke. And I truly believe if Gutekunst believes that the best athlete available was Jordan Love, he's got a really bad sense. And I've got a really bad sense of this guy as the general manager because even Ted Two-Tone Thompson, I think, would have drafted better. And remember, go back. You want to talk about You want to talk about the beginning of the downfall of the Green Bay Packers? It was the draft of 2014 when they took nine players and were sitting here six years later, five football seasons later, and not one of those nine selections are currently on the Green Bay Packers roster. Everybody else is gone. That was the draft that Demarius Randall came to Green Bay as a safety to play corner, and then they trade him as a former number one draft pick to Cleveland to bring in Deshaun Kaiser. What kind of confidence do you have in the personnel department for the Green Bay Packers, regardless of what an idiot that uh, Demarius Randall turned out to be? He still was a number one draft pick, and you trade him to Cleveland for Deshaun Kaiser. Deshaun Kaiser is on nobody's roster. He was just let go at the end of last season by the Oakland Raiders, or excuse me, the Las Vegas Raiders. I just don't see how you can have much uh, faith or confidence right now in the personnel staff of the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I I, I don't like to speak in uh, superlatives, but I have to say that is the worst draft I've ever seen. And I think that Lafleur and Gutekunst both need to be fired right now. Like it's that severe. And I'm not a big Packers fan. Like I like them. I like to cheer for who my friends cheer for. You know, I like to cheer for the Rams and the Packers now. But it's it's the worst I've ever seen. It's just they I have I have 
lost all faith in both of those men completely. And of course, Thompson would have been better by default and anyone would have been better. And it was just a catastrophe. And I can't imagine how upset Green Bay Packers fans are because this is just rock bottom already. And you can see the train wreck coming a mile away. And as soon as Rogers is gone, they're in massive trouble. And they, uh, you know, it look, it's a small market. It's not the most appealing place to play for a lot of people. Maybe we're looking at another 29 years of crap because this is garbage. Um, you know how difficult it was for Packer fans to watch Brett Lorenzo Favre in a Minnesota Vikings jersey. And it wasn't much better when he was in a New York Jets jersey, but at least he wasn't coming to Lambeau Field anytime soon because you only play your interconference rivals once every four years. But it's going to be unbelievably difficult for Packer fans like myself to see Aaron Rodgers in somebody else's jersey in a couple of years because, my God, why would you draft a kid as your first pick in a, in a draft? Not first overall, but their first at 26 overall. How can you envision him sitting on the bench? And remember, Aaron Rodgers sat on the bench in Green Bay behind Brett Favre for three years. It's going to be at least that for Jordan Love. And at that point, I think you've got to envision Aaron Rodgers finishing his career somewhere else. That's going to kill Packer fans. That's just going to just... The Packer fans are similar, very similar to the Saskatchewan Rough Rider fans of the CFL. Community-owned, small market, very passionate about their team. It's the only game in town. And literally, folks, when I'm telling you, it's the only game in town in Green Bay. The city of Green Bay is 106,000 people. Now, the whole Fox River Valley, which encompasses Green Bay, is well over a million people. Okay, that's uh, some people don't understand that because like you'll be at Lambeau Field in Ashwaubenon and you cross the street and you're in Green Bay and you go down a couple other block, couple blocks down the street and you're in Oshkosh or you go a couple of blocks down the way and you're in Fond du Lac. The Green Bay area is well over a million people, but the city itself of Green Bay, only 106,000. And think about it this way. It's publicly owned. When the Packers need something, the Packers have to go and they have to, they have to do a sell of stock. And people buy this stock that's absolutely worthless, but they get, a, they get a certificate saying you are a stockholder. It's absolutely not even worth the paper that is printed on, but you are a Packer stockholder. And what they do is that they take that money and they go and improve Lambeau Field. The facilities in Green Bay are second to none. If you ever get the chance, folks out there in unscripted world, to go to Green Bay and watch the Packers in practice, you will be amazed by the facilities that they have in Green Bay. They've got two in, two indoor facilities they've got six practice facilities all with that perfect new field turf it is unbelievable the weight room at at uh, inside lambeau field for the packers for their access is unbelievable but everything that is generated every resource dollar that is generated goes back into the organization and goes back into helping the packers ultimately you know get to that ultimate uh, prize which is winning the championship and getting and bringing home the the uh, Vince Lombardi trophy which is named after the Green Bay Packers most successful coach so and and I I just need to make this point and and if I made it earlier tell me to shut up but when the NFC championship game kicked off on January 16 and Chris brilliantly made this analogy there were only three teams left that could have gone on to the Super Bowl and Green Bay was one of them 
13 and 3 in your rookie coach's first season, one of the greatest first seasons of all time. And it wasn't embarrassing enough that you got your ass kicked twice by the San Francisco 49ers, twice. And it wasn't enough of an insult. It should it, it wasn't embarrassing enough that you want to address some issues that my buddy Helen Keller could have seen both times they played the 49ers. They play the 49ers again this year, and I'm telling you that the results could very, very easily be the same thing. They can't stop the run, and they can't throw to anybody outside of Devontae Adams. And I'm telling you right now that Kyle Shanahan will figure out a way to beat his former friend, Matt LaFleur, and he's making it quite look quite easy right now because Brian Gutekunst is not giving LaFleur the players to help him compete at that level. Yeah, fire the flur, fire good against. Okay, so I'm going to move on to the O-line, then we'll move on to the defense. So uh, Green Bay's O-line will be worse this season. The Packers said goodbye to longtime right tackle Brian Balaga, who signed with the Chargers. They replaced him with the often-injured Ricky Wagner, who has declined in recent years because of all of his maladies and they've sapped his talent. The Packers at least still have David Bakhtiari, one of the premier left tackles in the NFL. Green Bay also has a hole in its interior O-line as Billy Turner was overpaid in last year's free agent spending spree. Luckily for the team, it hit with Elgton Jenkins, a second-round pick from 2019. He should only improve next to solid center Corey Lindsley. Yep, and you know what? I'm going to tell you right now, folks, our offensive line is not as bad as that uh, as that poster uh, would make you believe. Ricky Wagner... Uh, a fifth-round draft pick many years ago by the Baltimore Ravens. The guy that drafted him is a guy by the name of Milt Hendrickson. He is now in the Packers' front office, and that's the connectivity there. Ricky Wagner also played his college ball at the University of Wisconsin as a right tackle for a Rose Bowl-winning team back in the early 2000s. Ricky Wagner's not a bad football player. He's not Brian Balaga, that's for damn sure, but Brian Balaga also comes at a paycheck probably about five times greater than what the Packers are going to pay Ricky Wagner. You can't pay everybody, folks. You can't pay a quarterback $34 million and pay your right tackle, you know, exorbitant amount of money, especially with Bakhtiari's contract coming up next year at the end of this season. Bakhtiari's contract comes up. So does Kenny Clark's. Those are two mandatory re-signs. If they don't, then I may have to start rooting for the Minnesota Vikings because um, I, I just... Uh, I just can't believe um, that you know we are not that bad in the offensive line where we needed to concentrate some energies and some money and some draft capital. If you look at it this way, the Packers over the last, not the 2020 draft, but the 18 and 19 draft, they, they uh, let's see, they gave up one, two, at least three high draft picks on corners. Well, why can't the Packers you saw what uh, the, the running back from uh, San Francisco did two times to him last year, just thrashed him for 180 yards and never got touched until he was seven yards deep into the Packers secondary in the NFC Championship game. Most, what's his name? Mostert? Mozart? Raheem Mostert. Thank you, sir. Um, he ran all over him. And why the hell the Packers couldn't have gotten somebody to compliment a big run stuffer? I mean, wouldn't a perfect run stopper to help Kenny Clark on that defensive line be Snacks Harrison, who's still out there and wants to play in Green Bay because he's been in Detroit, he's sick of losing, and here's a team that went 13-3. and Or why couldn't you do something? Okay, if you're not going to take a wide receiver for, with your first-round pick, my God, when you were if you're moving up at 26 to take a guy that I thought you could have gotten in the third round, why didn't you take 
Patrick Queen yeah. to play middle linebacker for the Packers. That would have taken care of some of the problems. We had that piece of crap, that pedestrian Blake Martinez back there that, okay, he was among the league leaders. Well, he was very good at jumping on the pile when the play was basically over. No wonder the New York Giants took him. The Giants defensively are worse than the Packers. Go ahead. Right, like Okay, so now that we've wrapped up the offense, let's talk about the defense here. I wanted to start with the D-line and then move to the linebackers. So uh, here's a post about the D-line. Uh, it was obvious the Packers needed to upgrade the receiving core, and yet they didn't do it. The same could be said of their atrocious run defense. It was inexplicably untouched this season, this offseason, so it'll once again be difficult for Green Bay to contain opposing rushing attacks. The Packers never recovered from losing Mike Daniels, and that can be evidenced by their defensive line play last year. Nose tackle Kenny Clark was excellent, but the opposite can be said of ends Tyler Lancaster and uh, Dean Lowry. The Packers recently spent a first-round selection on Rashawn Geary, who was expected to slip because of his lack of passion for football and poor work ethic. Instead, Green Bay selected him earlier than anyone anticipated, and Geary was predictably woeful in his rookie campaign. Well, again, here's another slip-up by Gutekunst. You've spent over $100 million plus on the two Smith brothers. or They're not brothers, but they call themselves the Smiths brothers in Green Bay. And I'm talking about Zadaria Smith and uh, <clears throat> Preston Smith. So you spend over $100 million plus on those guys to, and they did. They were awesome. Uh, Zadarius had 13 and a half sacks last year. Preston came in with 12 sacks last year. They were difference makers. The, you know, and that's why you let Shampoo Boy go to Los Angeles. But then why do you spend your 12th overall draft pick, the highest pack, the highest draft pick the Packers have had since 2009 when they drafted B.J. Raji at 9 overall, and then they got Shampoo Boy at 26 overall in 2009. The highest pick the Packers have ever had. And in 2012, you spend $100-plus million on the two Smith boys, and then what do you do? You bring in Rashawn Gary, who plays the same fucking position. Well, I mean, what, what, what the hell is that? And you know what? We'd have been laughing at the Packers draft pick or the Packers draft of 2019 if, like Chris just said, if Elgin, Eldon Jenkins hadn't worked out at left guard. I mean, oh my God, we've got a very strong left left side of the offensive line oh, yeah. with Jenkins and, of course, all, all pro David Bakhtiari. But my God, you've got the two Smith boys who played 85% of the time. And, you know, in in partiality, we can't blame all of that on Rashawn Gary because Rashawn Gary couldn't get on the field because the Smiths were on the field all the time, and rightfully so. They were doing what they were paid to do, which is rush the passer. And they did it very, very well. But why would you go ahead and spend a high draft pick on a guy that plays the same position? I think incredulous. You know you needed a wide receiver in 2019. Instead of Rashawn Gary, I think you could have picked a pretty good wide receiver at number 12. I'm just, you know, I throw that out there for discussion purposes. But again, Gutekunst, I I just can't handle the best available athlete bullshit. There's got to be some need. When you see Mickey Loomis in New Orleans, or you see Eric DaCosta in Baltimore, or you see uh, Howie Roseman in Philadelphia, or Tom Telesco with the Los Angeles Chargers, when they draft, they're looking for athletes, no question, but they're looking for needs. And that's the difference right now. I just wish we could find another general manager like Ron Wolf and get this shit back on the right track. The Packers, in my estimation, will win the NFC North in 2020 just because of sure shit in the rest of the division 
Chicago's not gotten better. Detroit is Detroit. And uh, Minnesota has taken some real personnel losses because of salary cap restrictions. The Packers will win the NFC North. But that's as far as they're going to go. Well, there's no chance of the Bears or Lions winning this year. I think both those teams are terrible. I don't think both. I don't think people realize how bad those teams are, especially the Bears. I think a lot of people are still thinking a couple yeah. of years ago yeah. they don't realize how much worse the O line is in Chicago. Minnesota, it, it's hard to know how things will go. I mean, Green Bay could become so dysfunctional if Aaron Rodgers is upset, and I don't know. I just how, how can like, you not though, my friend? How can you not be really disillusioned if you're Aaron Rodgers right oh, now? Too- He's given his whole career to Green Bay. He's put up unbelievable numbers, and it's. I don't think it's his fault, and I'm not trying to assign blame, but I think that some blame needs to be assigned here. You've got a quarterback. You've and you've heard me say this a million times. We have now had 28 years of quarterbacking between Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, and we've got two Super Bowl championships and three Super Bowl appearances. That is not cutting it. But also, there are sorry, but there are teams like Miami. There are teams like Buffalo. Until Josh Allen, there are a lot of teams in the National Football League that haven't had a quarterback over the last 28 years, and we've had two Hall of Fame caliber quarterbacks, and we only have two Super Bowl championships. That is wrong. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it also, not just Aaron Rodgers, it also sends the message to the whole team that, hey, you know, even though it's confusing, like, hey, we're 13 and three, but we're also rebuilding apparently or something. We're looking to the future. I mean, why? And that's not going to make people want to sign there as free agents. Like, hey, are you, what are you doing? Are you rebuilding or what are you doing drafting a first round quarterback? And also, especially for the great tandem of running backs, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, neither of them, I don't think, uh, have heard anything about uh, contract negotiations to resign. Uh, their contracts run out this year, and then they draft AJ Dillon. To them, it's saying, "Oh, hey, well, uh, don't be a team player. Try and just showcase your skills and do anything to make yourself look good for your next contract somewhere else." Why? Like it's 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 discouraging team play. It's discouraging free agents from wanting to sign there. It's discouraging free people from being enthusiastic about the team this year. It makes no sense. It's so poorly done that you almost have to look at firing Mark Murphy too. However, that would even happen. And I don't know who fires Mark Murphy, but anyway, just it's, Mark it's, Murphy answers to nobody. It, he it, answers basically to the to the uh, Packers executive committee, but they aren't going to do well, anything. It, Coming it, off a of thirteen and three, they're not going to do nothing. It, it, it's less important uh, to do that, but Gutekunst and especially Lafleur, I think, are just uh, are just failures. But I anyway. think I, I do need to make comment. I think you hit some brilliant points right there. The recruitment of 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 any. NFL athlete is going to be suspect coming to Green Bay when you're coming off a 13 to three and everybody can see what your weaknesses are and you don't address one of them. I mean, that's preposterous. I think that's just ludicrous. It's disrespectful. It's really disappointing. You know, all the passion, you can hear the passion in my voice. I know you can. And that's the way Packer fans feel. This is the only game in town. The Packer fans don't give a damn about anybody else, but their own little team. And when they get disrespected like this, it's ridiculous and Chris hit it right on the head I couldn't have said it better myself you're going to have trouble getting guys to come to Green Bay you're going to have trouble keeping guys that are in Green Bay because again you know what the you knew what was needed to take that next step to you know kind of kind of uh you know uh, close the gap between where the Packers are and where the 49ers are the 49ers and the Saints are where you need to be in the NFC to make a Super Bowl run. And I'll say this right now, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. If the Packers were in the a, excuse me, in the NFC West, I believe they'd be third out of fourth teams. And I truly believe 
that if they were in, oh, I'm going to go with maybe the AFC West, they'd be third out of fourth teams. There are teams in those two divisions that the Packers cannot compete with right now, and that is falls squarely on the shoulders of Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur. Yeah. Okay. Uh, everyone knows the Smiths uh, were really good this year, especially as Darius, so I think everyone's happy with them. Those were good pickups. But uh, Green Bay's defensive line, I'm reading another poster, Green Bay's defensive line being steamrolled by opposing rushing attacks won't make things any easier for a linebacking core that had to be upgraded this offseason. Instead, the Packers linebackers are even worse now. Blake Martinez is gone. He wasn't replaced properly. The Packers signed Christian Kirksey away from the Browns to play next to the struggling Oren Burks. But the injury-prone Kirksey hasn't performed well in years. Yes, but I disagree that the Packers' uh, linebacker core has gotten worse. I think in this case, it's gotten better by subtraction. And what I mean by that, losing uh, Kyler Fackrell and losing Blake Martinez to the New York Giants is not a loss. I think we're going to see a... And and from what I understand and what I've heard this offseason from defensive coordinator uh, Mike Pettin is that they are going to have to, and I agree with this, the two Smiths played way too much last year. They're, they they played way too many snaps. They need to have their workload decreased a little bit. You need to get Rashawn Gary in there and have him make an impact. But I like Christian Kirksey. I know he's had injury problems the last couple of years, but when he was on the field for the Cleveland Browns, and remember, he was making a difference for a team that won one game in two years. It's got to be difficult to play in those kind of circumstances under you know a myriad of different problems led by Hugh Jackson. And of course, the team is owned by Truck Stop Jimmy. So I think Christian Kiersey is an upgrade over Blake Martinez. And yes, you're absolutely right about Oren Burks. This is a make it or break it year for him. If he doesn't make it this year, you cut ties with that son of a bitch. It's easy. It's easy to do. But I truly believe that I will disagree with that poster in regard to that it's not significantly upgraded, but I think with the we've gotten better in regard to we've added via subtracting some of these these moving parts that weren't doing Jack, you know what all anyway. I think ultimately Rashawn Gary and Christian Kirksey more than make up for the loss of Blake Martinez and Kyler Fackrell. All right. Well, let's uh, do a post about the D-backs, the last part of the team we haven't talked about uh, in uh, specifically, at least. So, um, so everyone agrees the Smiths will get after the quarterback, and this is like as long as uh, that's happening, the secondary should continue to perform to perform well. Young cornerback Jair Alexander has developed into a great player. The Packers also have a pair of recent second-round choices, Kevin King and Josh Jackson, who have plenty of promise. King improved last year after a rough start to his career, while Jackson was never healthy because of a lingering foot injury. Speaking of young defensive backs with promise, 2019 first-rounder Darnell Savage had an inconsistent rookie campaign. He has tons of athleticism, so if he can play smarter, he can become a great safety. If so, Green Bay will have an amazing tandem at the position, as Savage will continue to start along with the excellent Adrian Amos. You know what, and and um, I'm going to tell you right now, one of the biggest things that the Packers didn't screw up in the offseason was an addition to their coaching staff. And the addition to their coaching staff that I'm so excited about is defensive backfield coach Jerry Gray. This guy was an all-pro when he played in the league for the Los Angeles Rams for many years before they moved to St. Louis. This guy was a stud. He's been a defensive coordinator for a number of teams in the National Football League and was just coming off a successful run as the defensive backfield coach for the Minnesota Vikings, and he's working with guys uh, like the safety out of uh, Notre Dame. Um, can't remember his name right off the top of my hat, uh, but 
you know who I'm talking about. He's a stud in that uh, defensive backfield for the Minnesota Vikings. I think uh, it's a mistake that they haven't re-signed Tremont Williams. He may be 30-whatever years old, but my God, the guy can still play. You know who played the most snaps last year on the Packers secondary? 36-year-old Tremont Williams in the slot position, and that's kind of scary. I like Shandon Sullivan to play that slot position this year, and I think that's what the Packers are expecting. Uh, I just think that this is a big year for Kevin King. Uh, He needs to stay injury-free as much as possible. He hasn't been able to do that out on the corner, but when he plays, he had five picks last year. The guy that's going to be an ultimate stud for years is the guy that Chris just mentioned, Jair Alexander, and I think he will benefit the most as having Jerry Gray be his position coach. We're strong at safety with Savage, the young man out of Maryland. He made some mistakes, but my God, the kid's 21 years old. The other safety makes up for a lot of mistakes, and that, of course, being Adrian Amos. The free agent frenzy last year got us the two Smiths and got us Adrian Amos. That was three out of four. Billy Turner at at guard, yeah, I, I would totally agree with that, but they have some backups, and that's why I believe the Packers drafted three guys in rounds five and six to play offensive line. But that secondary, folks, with Jerry Gray basically coordinating it, I think that Packers secondary could be, could be, one of the best in the NFL by season's end. Okay, now let's just take a look at some quick uh, little facts about the Packers and uh, what's going to, you know, look looking at this year, special teams, home field, all that type of stuff here real quick, some quick hits. So Green Bay is 142, 51, and 2 at home since 1992, the year Brett Favre first became a Packer. Aaron Rodgers is uh, continuing the tradition. He is 68, 14, and 1 as a host the past 11 years. Well, um, Lambeau Field um, is a special place. Um, It's a special place in my heart. Um, And especially when they closed both ends of the stadium and got the seating capacity up to 80,000, it is a loud place now. And that is an unbelievable home field advantage. But let's give credit where credit is really due. And it goes back to the statement I made about 15 minutes ago. We have had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks call Green Bay home over the last 26 seasons. And a lot of those great home records are due to those individuals, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. And let me tell you, folks, going back to the Favre years, they had some really good teams, but they weren't I mean, they, the 96-97 teams, which should have won back-to-back Super Bowls, in my opinion, they were unbelievably loaded teams. But you had Reggie White, you had Brett Favre, you had, uh, I mean, it just, it, unbelievably loaded. Um, I think, to be honest, and this is harsh, but it's the truth. One of the things that I think that non-Packer fans would tell you, and I would have to, but I would have to begrudgingly agree with them is that the Packers have underachieved. And let's get this out in the open too. And again, this is coming from a Packer fan that if you plug a hole in me, it would come out green and gold. I swear to God. Um, But the Packers have been in a division that they have really taken advantage of over the last number of years. How many times over the last 26 years have the Minnesota Vikings been competitive? How many times have the Chicago Bears been competitive? And realistically, how many times until the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, when they realigned and the Buccaneers went to the NFC South, but the Buccaneers were never real competitive. And we know the Lions haven't been competitive since 1954. 
So they have an unbelievably impressive at-home record. We've had a lot of very good teams. We haven't had a couple. We haven't had a, a, a lot of great teams. One of the more disappointing times in my life has been the 2003 Packers that should have gone on to the Super Bowl, and they lost in Philadelphia in round two of the playoffs when they couldn't stop the fucking Eagles on fourth and 26. And it cost them a shot at a Super Bowl. I really believe the 2003 team was one of the best in Brett Favre's era, potentially better than the team that won the Super Bowl in 96. That team in 2003 had an unbelievable offensive line, an unbelievable defense. They had Brett Favre. They had a run game. They had uh, Antonio Freeman and Robert Brooks as your wide receivers, and they had two tight ends. They had Mark Chimura and Keith Jackson. So maybe not Keith Jackson by that time, but Chimura for sure. And I'm telling you, folks, when you can't convert or you can't stop a team, even though the game was in Philadelphia, you can't stop a team on 4th and 26, you don't deserve to move on in the playoffs. So there has been some heartache. And to go back, if you want to take it one step further, you have a 19-3 lead with seven minutes to go in the game in, in the fourth quarter in Seattle in 2014. You've heard me bitch about this many times. And the Packers lose in overtime. That's McCarthy's fault with some really, really poor judgment calls in the fourth quarter. When you Again, you're up 19-3 to with eight minutes or six minutes to go in the game and you lose in overtime. Should have never happened. And again, poor coaching decisions in 2004, poor execution in 2003 when you can't stop the Eagles on fourth and 26. Yep. Okay, Mason Crosby had a great year once again, hitting 22 of 24 attempts with only one missed extra point. I was wondering if he was done after 2018. He had that horrible game, like the worst game a kicker's ever had. And I thought maybe he was just old and and done. But uh, he actually rebounded and was uh, good again. Well, you know, when he had that bad year, when he uh, missed five, four field goals and an extra point in a game, you know, this this was part of the reason McCarthy lost his job in 2018, folks, I'm telling you, and Mason Crosby, and, and McCarthy stuck with him through thick and thin. And there were a lot of people, including this person that's talking into this microphone right now, thought that, Ma- that Mason Crosby should have been shown the door after indoors in controlled climate in the Ford Field in Detroit, and you miss four field goals yeah. and an extra point. That that's, it's, almost, it's almost acceptable if the game's in Green Bay, outdoors, it's minus 100. It's almost acceptable. But in a climate-controlled dome in downtown Detroit, and the guy misses four field goals and an extra point that costs you a game against a very shitty Detroit team. I'm sorry, Sean, but it's the truth. Your team sucks every year, except, of course, for the years of Barry Sanders. But even whatever, I digress. But I'm telling you right now, I thought Mason Crosby should have been shown the door in 2018. Packers bring him back. They bring in a kicker to compete against him in training camp for the first time in years. And Mason Crosby's been a different maker, difference maker. But at 38 years old, do you reward Mason Crosby with another three-year contract, which the Packers did this offseason? I have trouble with that. I really have trouble with that. I hope he I hope he does well all three years that he potentially is still in Green Bay. But I personally believe that Mason Crosby should have been kicked to the can after that infamous game in Detroit in 2018 that really started the downfall. That was the year that Packers went 6-9-1. and won. And uh, that was the kind of the beginning of the end because the Packers never lose to Detroit. I mean, the Packers, remember this, folks. And I know Sean Nichols, if he was sitting here, all credit to him. I respect the hell out of Sean because I've given him the gears a lot. But I'll tell you one thing. Between 1991 and 2018, the Packers never lost a home game against the Detroit Lions. Yeah. 
And you just do not lose to Detroit if you're a Green Bay Packers fan. And Sean would tell you the same thing begrudgingly. He'd tell you the same thing if he was sitting here right now. Yep. Okay, three real quick things here. Uh, Green Bay, uh, according to this post, Green Bay wasted a fifth-round pick on a punter in 2018. J.K. Scott finished 27th in net average as a rookie and was 24th last year. I don't agree with that. I can't imagine how difficult it would be to be a kicker in Green Bay. I knew you disagreed. And I think that J.K. Scott has done a very admirable job as the punter of the Green Bay Packers, and I do not agree that that was a wasted pick. I do not. I think, you know, you get a kid that comes from Alabama, uh, the Southeastern Conference, you're playing in, again, basically domes, you know, because the weather is much nicer in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, than it is in Green Bay, Wisconsin at any time of the year. And I do not agree with that poster. Um, he may have had some ups and downs, but I think we've all had ups and downs. And I think overall, J.K. Scott has done a very good job as a punter of the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I think there's just some people that think that uh, punters should either be taken in the seventh round or signed as undrafted free Agreed. agents. And, and you know, the fifth round might have been a little early. I, I maybe, but again, uh, the, the greatest punter in my lifetime um, was taken in the first round by the Oakland Raiders back in the late 70s, and his name was Ray Guy. And uh, he changed field positions so many times with his ability, with his deep, booming, high punts that I don't think you ever take a kicker in the first round, but I don't begrudge the Raiders for doing it because they did the same thing years later with Sebastian Janikowski, and it worked out both times very well for the Oakland slash Las Vegas Raiders. I do not think that J.K. Scott was a reach in the fifth round. Okay, well, all right. Uh, second last thing, the Packers had poor special teams in 2019 as they were outgained on both punt and kickoff returns by a wide margin. I will agree to disagree with that one. Um, they were a terrible return team until they brought in a kid by the name of Tyler Ennis, and he came in the second half of the season. Up until that point, up until that point, the Packers had a below zero average on on punt returns, and they bring this kid in. The problem was they didn't have the right personnel back there. They bring in this Tyler Irvin kid who came in off the waiver wire from Jacksonville and he improved the Packers return game substantially. So I don't totally agree with that. I like the new D, uh, special teams coordinator, Sean Menenga in green Bay, the last guy. Yes. They should have gotten rid of him years ago. Kurt something. He was terrible. He was dog shit. I totally agree. But this new guy that came in, um, I think that their punt return and kickoff returns were better than they had previously been in 2019. And again, once they brought in this kid, Tyler Irvin, to be the only return guy, the numbers got much better. I think you will see a much better Packers special teams unit in 2020, if we get to see any units at all. Okay. Actually, in addition to the last post, I was going to say, I also, real quick, just spend a minute on this. I wanted to, I saw someone who uh, ranked every area of the Packers uh, with a star rating. And I wanted, so between one and five stars, I wanted to uh, see what you thought about that. Okay. Okay. And so I want you to give your rating on how many stars you think it deserves for that area. And okay. then I'll tell you what uh, their star rating was as well. Sounds good. Okay. Quarterback. Four stars. Okay. They went with five stars just because of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but I mean, if you factor in backups, then you'd have to take a star off for that for sure. All right, running backs. Four stars. And they also said four stars. Receivers. Because of Devontae Adams, I'll give it a two. 
Yeah, they actually went three, probably because of Devontae Adams, so I don't blame them for that, really. Offensive line. Three. Yeah, they did. They agreed with that. Defensive line. Two. They agreed with that. Linebackers. One. They went with three stars here for some Well, now, again, maybe you need to clarify. um, Our outside linebackers, I see why they say a three, but I take it down to one because our inside linebackers are dog shit. But... I can go. I can live with three just because of the two Smith boys. Yeah. Secondary. Four. They agreed with that. Wow, you're almost uh, bang on this one. Uh, special teams. Two. They agreed as well. And coaching. <laughs> let's go off. Let's say. Well, no. Are we, if, are, if we're going off a of thirteen and three, um, I've got to give him a three. If um, I'm going as to what he's done this off season. I will stay at three. That's as, that's as high as I can go. Lafleur did a lot of things, but again, I, I think uh, there were some mistakes made too. Oh, and that's uh, an understatement. Uh, I, I I just this is a three and this is a thirteen and three football team that probably will be no better than eleven and five uh, in uh, in twenty twenty, just because they didn't address enough personnel concerns. Yeah, this this one actually said one star and. I almost want to say that too because I don't well, know if they're going to be thirteen three anymore. So I if mean, we go for now, let, let's just. I, I think we got to give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Here's a thirty nine year old guy, first uh, time head coach, and regardless of a lot of things that we've discussed over the last hour, it's still thirteen and three at the National Football League level. I think there's got to be some props given to that. Now, again, we're taking into account that you're playing in a weak division and yada yada yada. And there were a lot of people. You know, remember. Last year, the Packers played a third-place schedule. You know, they played every team when they went outside of their division was third place or lower. And so they played an easier schedule. This year, their schedule is a bitch. It is unbelievable. They have to go to San Francisco. They have to go to Tampa Bay. They have to go to New Orleans. This is going to be really something this year. And uh, they also have to play, um, I believe this year, they're playing the AFC South. So that's probably a blessing in disguise. They'll get Jacksonville in Green Bay. They'll get Houston down in Houston. They'll get Indy in Indy. Um, uh, that's probably a blessing in disguise that they get the AFC South. But um, anytime, you know, and again, I'm very hard on the Packers. I get that. But anytime you go 13-3 and three, and overall 14-4 and four with the playoffs included, you win a playoff game. You know, as much as I want to bitch about it, 14 and 4 in your first season as you're in, with the Green Bay Packers and your first season as an NFL head coach 14 and 4 is pretty damn good and that's why it's so disappointing that the Packers didn't address personnel concerns more fervently here in this offseason. I think there's a sense and I share it really that they were 13 and 3 despite Matt LaFleur. I agree with that. Yeah. I agree with that. And remember, come on. Uh Detroit took them twice to the wire. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some games that they pulled out of their backsides and that's a lot of tribute to the guys that they have on that team. And, you know, again, they did win a playoff game, but it was at home in Lambeau against a team that really had no running backs and they had Russell Wilson and Russell Wilson almost by sheer determination came back and beat them. So, um, I'm hard on the Packers. I totally realize that I, I, I totally understand that, but my God, regardless of how they pulled it off, when you can go 14 and four, you should have something to build on. We shouldn't be this critical. But again, we are this critical because of where you were. You were one of three teams to have a chance to get at the Super Bowl on January the 16th and or 19th or whatever it is. And you just 
you just don't have the sense, Chris, that they can pull it off. You just don't. And again, they make it to the they they make the playoffs this year. They probably win the NFC North by default, just because the Vikings have suffered some real salary cap casualties. The Bears are the Bears, and the Lions are still the Lions. What's your prediction for win loss for the eleven Packers? and five? Eleven and five. Okay, I'm gonna the last post I'm gonna read here. The Packers are coming off an extremely disappointing offseason. That's an understatement. Understatement. Yeah. They were so close to the Super Bowl last year, yet they failed to upgrade their roster. In fact, given the departures of Brian Belaga and Blake Martinez, as well as the growing possibility that Aaron Rodgers either regresses or gets injured, it's reasonable to expect the Packers to miss the playoffs in 2020. Projection, 7-9. and nine. No, I don't see that happening. Um, I really don't. Um, it could happen, especially again, obviously, if Rodgers gets hurt. Because do you trust the team with Tim Boyle or Jordan Love? No, not at this point. Um, I still, to this day, I will make comment. I do understand, I guess, why they drafted AJ Dillon in the second round. Because again, I don't believe that the Packers will get into a long-term extension with Aaron Jones because Aaron Jones, if he's smart, comes back and he wants not McCaffrey money, but he wants similar money. Mm-hmm. And you put up 19 touchdowns and 1,300 yards and yada, 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 you deserve a pay raise. There's no question about it. Uh, the other guy, Jamal Williams, he's as good as gone. I, I understand why A.J. Dillon. I, I, I get that one. But I am still just really searching for answers with the Jordan Lund pick. And if not Jordan Love, why not a defender? Why not a defensive lineman? Why not Patrick Queen? Why not a wide receiver? There were other things that we could have addressed in our first overall pick, 26 overall. There's other things that we should have and could have addressed before Jordan Love. It's hard to imagine how a draft could have been worse. And yeah, exactly. And how a draft could have been and more you know, disappointing for fans. And Exactly. And you know the, the really sad thing about it that really hurts the most is that 13-3, and three, you know all the numbers, but look at the draft that the Baltimore Ravens had. Look at the draft that the New England Patriots had. Look at the draft that the Kansas City Chiefs had. They're all in that bottom tier, and they all improved where the Packers did not. And that's the most difficult thing. They always say when you're drafting at the end of a round, you know, you're picking the leftovers. Well, that's bullshit. Because the leftovers picked up by the Baltimore Ravens, the Kansas City Chiefs, the New England Patriots, those teams that I mentioned, they all, San Francisco 49ers, they all improved their teams while the Green Bay Packers did not. And the guy that I was talking about and thinking about was Emmanuel Stewart, who left, was traded from Denver to San Francisco, and then San Francisco, he had a great run with the 49ers, ended up in New Orleans. I thought as a slot receiver, that would have been a great pickup for the Green Bay Packers, but again, they didn't think he, they thought that Stewart was too old for their system, and I think that's total bullshit. Well, you know what? I know that a lot of times fans will complain about a draft or oh, they didn't like a selection, and a lot of times they're wrong. And the best example of that is you can to this day go on YouTube and you can look at people reacting to when the Dallas Cowboys took Zach Martin and fans wanted them to take Johnny Manziel. Yeah. And of course, Johnny Manziel is a complete bum and Zach Martin just makes the Pro Bowl every, every year. single year and yeah. is like the best guard in the league. So there are times like that where you look, especially look back now, and it's just funny to see these Cowboys fans like, no, no. And the team actually did the right thing. I don't think there's any chance of that happening here. I don't think we're going to look back at these picks and... 
and uh, see the same thing. And even if we do, let's say Jordan Love becomes a great quarterback. Let's say uh, A.J. Dillon becomes a great running back. It's still wrong. It still wasn't a good option because you had Aaron Rodgers still really in his prime. You had Aaron Jones just beginning his prime. It still was bad. Unless they become, I mean, like the greatest quarterback ever or the greatest running back. Unless this is like, I don't know. Well, what what are you hoping for with quarterback? Another Aaron Rodgers? You already had Aaron Rodgers. Unless A.J. Dillon is Barry Sanders and nobody believes that, it still was wrong, even if they think they're right. No question. And again, this is this has got to be the ultimate slap in the face to Aaron Rodgers. Here's a guy that um, I just think they've they they've underutilized. I don't know if that's the right word, but I think it is. I don't. I don't. They haven't seen Aaron Rodgers at full potential because he just doesn't have the weapons. And um, you know. It is a miracle that the Packers were able to draft Aaron Rodgers in 2005, still the best draft pick that Ted Two-Tone Thompson ever made, and I just don't think that they've utilized him to full capacity. Um, You know, again, I go back to the New Orleans Saints. They go out and augment and bring in weapons for Drew Brees to work with, and that's what makes them so exciting. The 49ers do the same thing. Baltimore does the same thing, and the Packers still stay stuck in second gear with that old model that isn't working, and my God, I mean, there's just so many players that would, I think, would love the opportunity, regardless of how remote Green Bay is and how small Green Bay is, how many wide receivers would love the opportunity to play with an Aaron Rodgers. And you know what? I have to say that the bottom line for me is that Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur do not deserve the support of the Green Bay fan base. And um, it'll be interesting to see what happens whenever the 2020 season gets started in Green Bay and the other 31 cities in the National Football League. We've got to run. Enjoyed this. I got some frustration out. Um, I hope that you see the passion involved in regard to me with the Green Bay Packers. Um, it's not a it's not a game. It's not a joke. This is the way I am all the time in, green, in regard to the Green Bay Packers. I was born in it. I was raised in it. And I live in it to this day. So um, I hope you enjoyed it, and uh, thank you very much. I appreciate it, all of you, and especially to Chris for allowing me to do it. We've got a run on this 521st episode of Unscripted. We thank you all for joining us and hope that you continue to do so. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.